you can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. It is midday on a Thursday. Time once again for T. Watts and TR here on the Built by Bama Online podcast. Travis Schreier, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com. He is... BOL publisher Tim Watts. Tim, how you doing on this Thursday? Good, man. Good. It's been a been a fun little week, fun two weeks since the Michigan game, and uh, it's been exciting. I mean, we're building up for me. We're building up to those uh, visitors, final visitors of the year, and of course, wrapping up the juniors, the coaching rumors, and all that good stuff. You ready to get the kids back into school, kind of like we always have been? Is that a is that a nice a nice little transition for you coming out of the Christmas break? I mean, the timing was perfect. They went back on Monday, and Monday all heck broke loose. And, you know, we're dealing with, you know, juniors deciding and Tua and everything else over the weekend. So, yeah, I'm, I was really glad to be rid of my kids. I don't know why it sounds bad to say that. <laughs> I'm not I'm not one of those people that have felt like, you know, me and my wife, we go, we take short trips when they were younger places. And she'd be the next morning, she's like, you want to talk to them? I'm like, heck no. I just spent every day of my life with them. And I'm a firm believer, and they're probably happy to be back too. You know, Tim's not a Tim's not a Facebook faker when it comes to the kids and all that, right? No, um, I'm the one that has to really. I don't have Facebook because I would be every bad grade, every car wreck, everything those dummies did. I put on there and try to shame them. Then you have half the people mad at me. Yeah, that would be. But you'd go viral with some of that stuff. I think I really do. Um, the way I'd word it, I promise you'd be viral. So, yeah. <laughs> be a virus. Be a virus. <laughs> Absolutely. We, uh, speaking of viruses, man, you know, our youngest is all we've got left. And she's a senior in high school now. And they went back Tuesday here in the Tuscaloosa City Schools. And uh, before we could get her back, Monday feeling really bad. It sucked because it coincided with her 18th birthday. I take her oh, Monday. Man. Mono, bro. Mono to start the final semester of her senior year. So she's uh she's basically quarantined right now with the mono, that's as they call bad. it. That's some, bad st- that's some bad stuff. You ever had mono? I had. I had strep throat. I don't know how close it is. Yeah. But they said it's somewhat similar symptoms. I had strep throat the year all those stupid Texas and saving to Texas rumors. Oh. I had 102 to 104 degree temperature constantly for three days. Some kind of bumps on my throat. Trevor Hewitt, who worked with us, fell out with the flu at the Army under All-American game. Yeah. Bobby Burton, our Texas publisher, had more rumors than Paris Hilden. (laughs) You know that dude, that Bobby. They went. They it was Bobby. That whole Texas market. You know, Terry Saban's over here. She doesn't want anybody to know she's looking at houses, so she got a police escort. Yeah, because nobody looks at the old police escort. I don't know how we got into this, but I'm glad we did because this is peak peak Watts right here. I can just do this for an hour. We stumbled backwards into it. That's how we got into everything in both of our lives. Just like a steaming pile that we fall back into sometimes. Um, No, I mean, mono 
dude, if, if you get mono, you know it. Well, you don't know it, but if you ever get it, you remember it. Put it that way. Uh, I've had it before, and you go from one second just feeling great to literally just a total decompression of your energy and everything. You're just down. You're just down. And also, your throat is typically ablaze. You got those awful pus pockets, and you're, it's the worst. No way. That's what I had. That's what I had. Well, I you can have strep and have oh, okay. that part. Okay. So but the fatigue and all that other stuff that comes with mono, and then you get the hot and the cold flashes, it's awful, man. Your I was able gets enlarged. I, see, I was able to work, so I probably didn't have whatever she had. Oh, I had no choice, but um, I was still working through it, you know. So, yeah. yeah, I probably didn't have the same thing she, she had. Yeah, I guess you could say that was my mono log. Oh, oh my goodness. But it's it, just get, it's getting worse. But it's, it's getting worse it's five going, minutes into this. Delete. Eject. Eject. Cut. Cut. Yes. yes. <laughs> we're going to go ahead and go with it. We're going to go with it. We're going to save all this to this point, and we're actually going to get into some topics of interest here on T Watts and TR on a Thursday on the Built by Bama online podcast. Once again, we appreciate you joining us at the Built by Bama online podcast. A number of different programs there for you. We would certainly appreciate you. If you haven't already, uh, subscribing to Built by Bama online podcast, maybe leave us a five-star review. A little comment there would help with the old algorithm. I don't think Tim or myself really understand the algorithms, but uh, they're apparently important. That, That I do know. I, I can uh, sort of vouch for that. But, Tim, something that certainly helps uh, move the needle is when there are questions out there about the roster, when there are questions out there involving the coaching staff at Alabama. And I know right there on the roundtable on BamaOnline.com, you've been updating the Steve Sarkeesian situation as it relates to the opening uh, just 85 miles away in Starkville at Mississippi State. What's the very latest that you know, that we know, when it comes to Sark and and that opening? You know, this whole thing's been weird for me because we're mind, you know, we're minding our business. Some random, you know, you know, somebody just says all of a sudden Sarkeesian's going to Mississippi State and all heck break loose. And um, we on our end, we've never seen done deal or it's likely to happen. I mean, he's never had an offer from Mississippi State to be the head coach. Now, if he had an offer to be the head coach of Mississippi State, we're having a different can't. You know, you can't you can't assume anyone's gone if he doesn't have an offer. So that's sort of we've never all week business as usual heading into today, working staff meetings and dealing with the the coaching staff and getting ready for the late signing period. And then, the you know, I mean, you know how saving is they're working on a day probably, you know, they're really, you know, focused the same stuff. They always do business as usual. And like we said, after Michigan, they took some time off. I think they had through Sunday. They came back Monday, hit the office for you know, most part, most of the most of the coaches, and um, they went and did their job. I mean, Sarkeesian has been one of them. And, you know, I know he's met with Saban, and he's been in the coaches' meetings, and I just at no point have I ever thought it was a done deal because I know Nick Saban's not in a recruiting meeting with the Mississippi State head football coach. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like when Pruitt was there and they had meetings planned for the national championship game, and then when the recruiting and stuff came up, Pruitt probably left and did his own thing called his recruits or whatever, and then Alabama had their meeting without him. I think that was the best for both sides. And it's interesting that we talk about this because as we're recording this podcast, Tim, Pete Thamel covers college football on the national level 
just tweeted that Mike Leach will be the next head coach at Mississippi State University. So, well, yeah, sounds, well, like that makes Sarkeesian, sounds like Steve Sarkeesian is going to, at least for the time being, remain in Tuscaloosa. Well, that makes sense because Mississippi State fired Moorhead because he was a fish out of water. So they brought a definitely southern fish <laughs> in the water with Michael Leach. So me personally, I'm a Leach guy. I love Mike Leach. I have loved him. I watched as many Washington State games as Alabama games every year. If they're on, I watch them. Uh, love his offense. I love the fun. Even their defense, the defense coordinator got no credit. The defense is fun. I love watching Mike Leach. I'll never forget when I looked up, and this was on some random channel. I can't even remember on a Friday night, and Leach was – they were doing that B-roll before the game, and it was early, and Leach had walked on the field, and the referees walked out. He went to shake their hand, and he had to move his banana from his right hand to his left hand because he was eating a banana out there on the field so it's going to be fun i mean you got lane kiffin very quotable you got mike leach very quotable so you know to me it's a very interesting hire i mean i know the guy can coach yeah you said it lane and the pirate in the uh in the egg bowl over there in mississippi you talk about uh, a couple of hires here in the last month or so, and we talk about needle-moving moves, I would say in both instances, if in fact Pete Thamel's report here in the last few moments as we record this edition of T. Watts and T.R. Uh, is accurate, and typically Pete's all over this type of stuff, uh, Mike Leach, I'll tell you what, SEC Media Days, it's never short on sort of a circus atmosphere, but what about Lane coming back into the league? Uh, what about... Leach coming into the league. You know you're always going to have got, some fun with O. Saban's the rock star. And then uh, you got Pruitt and you got uh, – They're going to sell tickets. Their, their obvious, yeah, their obvious connection to Saban. I mean, I love the personality in the SEC. I love the connections and the roundabout, how you can – you know, you got different – you know, it's been boring at times. You had that whole let's talk off the, off the uh, playlist, the coach's playlist, but – Dude, there's a lot of things that can happen. There's a lot of things that can be said. It'll be a very crowded SEC conference, uh, press conference. They could sell tickets, I think, starting this year, starting with 2020 if they wanted to, uh, even to the media, and uh, may be able to get uh, people to, to pay a pretty good price for, for the lineup now that appears to be taking shape in the uh, in the old SEC. So we know that, or at least we think we know that. We wanted to talk about Sark. What about Najee Harris? Tim, as we shift gears more towards the roster, also in sort of connection with that, Jerome Ford, the redshirt freshman running back, uh, has reportedly entered the transfer portal. Um, you surprised that with Najee, it's kind of been in flux like it's been in terms of his decision? I am. I just sort of, you know, there's certain guys you just think of almost have that pro mentality. Najee's that guy that came in three years and done. I will say he's had some weird things happen in his career that sort of stunted him. You know, you had Damian Harris come back and take some carries when Damian was expected to go. Uh, Damian was that guy always kid about Nick Saban had to make him make him leave the University of Alabama. He loved college so much, but uh, so he got some carries taken from him. You know, talking to people, I just assumed I was one of the main guys. I just assumed he was gone. Me too. Uh, when people were talking about Bama guys, I never really mentioned Najee. I just stuck him in and said, and Najee, you know, you know, this guy's likely to go, this guy's likely to go, this guy's gone, and, and Najee. So I'm surprised that it's a decision. Now, if he goes pro, I'm not surprised. 
And at this stage, if he comes back to Alabama, I'm not surprised. But I'm surprised that right now I still think I still right now I still think the guy's back and forth waffling. And you can see a win situation here for him. Um, come back, you know. And I talked to NFL guys, and the main thing they said that separated uh, Najee from the other Alabama running backs is they don't. He doesn't have a season where he took the opening kickoff the first drive. To the last drive, he doesn't have a whole season's body of work. He hasn't shown that consistency. However, his last four games were four of the best games you know mm-hmm. you, you'll ever see at Alabama. I mean, that guy was toting. He was taking people like you know kids giving a piggyback ride. You know, and I know that you've you've hit on this and your your updates on the situation, and and I I can very much see where it's it's the question of does another year really change his stock all that much can't is is there is there more that he can do and and again as you said he's the first back at Alabama since Derrick Henry in 2015 with more than 200 carries in a season so he did get an increased workload over sort of the committee approach we had seen the last few years and also Jalen Hurts there for a couple of years at the quarterback position ate into a lot of those carries um, that's kind of where I fall on it. I kind of fall on it with Najee in that I I really don't know what another year proves for him in terms of his draftability. Um, but do you see where perhaps he could he could improve on that, Tim? Or do you think it it kind of is what it is with Najee? You know, I'm a I'm a believer that Najee could improve himself. I don't think testing's necessarily going to be great. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be solid. I think as fans, we expect everybody to be Chris Johnson. And, uh, you know, a four, you know, four, four, everybody says four, four. I mean, if I ask my Amazon delivery guy, he'll tell me he ran a four, four in high school, but mid four, six, that's not a slow time. I mean, you could go through the history of guys that ran mid four, sixes, big guy. The thing I thought he did this year alone to improve his stock the most was catch the ball. So, um, the NFL guys I've talked to, so they didn't think he was a, he was a first day starter, running back, but he was a guy. I mean, you got to think you're in the NFL. You got these guys beating on each other. He is interesting to see him, a guy like Najee in the fourth quarter of a football game, almost like we've seen Derrick Henry. Now Derrick's doing it first to the fourth quarter, but Najee's a big old dude who can run. He'd get out there. He's got that awkward running style, but he's a big guy. I do think he could increase his stock. Uh, maybe get, I think he's a, you know, he could probably get a little bit lighter and still be just as effective. And I think he could probably get a little bit faster. I think you said it too. The passing game, he helped himself a lot this season. Not only catching it, which he he seems as instinctive and natural in that area as, as he does really in any aspect of running back play. Thought he did a better job in pass protection too, Tim. Similar to kind of the adjustment he made running the football. Once he became more decisive in his approach, running the ball at 230 pounds, that's when you saw him really take off. Less of the dancing, less of the picking and choosing, maybe trying to hit the home run too much. Uh, He became more of that one cut and get downhill guy, get behind his pads. Thought he did something similar in pass protection, more physicality, more of a commitment and a willingness to what you hear NFL people talk about, the equivalent of putting your face in the fan when it comes to picking up 250-pound linebackers. Right, uh, absolutely. I, I thought we saw more of that from Najee too, right? Yeah, I just think when, you know, the thing about it is I thought that there were just time, like you said, the NFL, there's not a lot of that reverse the field and, you know, make that Barry. You know, Barry Sanders can do it. A few guys can do it. But most of those guys 
are find you know plant a foot, find a hole, and get yards. Whether it's two yards, whether it's eight yards, whether it's thirteen yards. Now Najee might not be a four four guy, but if he gets to that second level at full stride, that is a man. That's a monster out there. I mean, that's a, you you know you're asking a safety or a defensive back if they don't get in on his thighs that you know it's going to be a tough guy to you know tackle we're seeing that with Derrick Henry so that initial burst might not be there but when he gets going at that second level I think he's going to be a he would be a handful but for me with running back I mean we've seen them increase their stock and we've seen I haven't can't think of many and I don't want to jinx anybody but I can't think of a lot of running back stocks that really went down so I think it's just sort of you know you know, it's sort of to me, it's like, what is, you know, to me, it's just a personal choice. He probably can't increase his stock a lot. Me personally, I think he's going to interview well. Um, it is a decently deep running back class. So, but I could, I could see him going in the second or third round. I mean, third round seems the safest to me. Well, we talk about it so much from the NFL perspective in the next step. But if he comes back, look at this offensive line, you know, Tim, that, that he's going to be working behind. And also, with the transition in play at quarterback, you got to think at least early on in the 2020 season, if you've got a guy like Najee Harris back behind that offensive line, that's a guy you're going to really ride. So um, th- there's a, there's an attractive nature to coming back that doesn't just have to do with your NFL stock. I mean, it's an opportunity uh, to, to put some numbers up that, that surpass even this year's. You know, we've talked about this before and I'll keep saying it. It sounds it sounds really simple, like go be a millionaire, but that's a business world. Mm-hmm. I again think there's a certain freedom in being the big man on campus. Like you know, I said this about two of those part of his decision. There's a certain freedom to be in the big man on any campus across America. I mean, I was surprised when Jake Fromm went went pro yesterday. To yeah. be honest, I didn't think the stock would matter. Now I get he's lost three or four offensive linemen. Four, I think, four starters. He has another, the fifth one's in L's. Well, I get all that, but, I mean, that's sort of like A.J. McCarron going pro, you know, a little bit early. You know, you got a guy that's a Georgia guy, wore Georgia onesies and grew, you know, grew up, go dogs, and he went pro. So I was a little surprised. So um, I don't think he necessarily helped his stock or hurt his stock either. So, I, you know, I can see it going both ways. Me, I'm a guy that's been in the working world for you know 30 years i'd do anything to go back around campus and have everybody high-five me as i walked in the classroom for a year yeah nothing wrong with that um and you touched on it with from of georgia making the leap to the national football league and it we talked about this before we hit the record button on the old pod here on the t watson tr podcast and it it it, it takes you back to the question of sustainability of greatness and whereas it won't be talked about perhaps in relation to some of these decisions like Fromm's at Georgia uh, it just speaks again to to what we've seen with this Alabama program to sustain this level of excellence like Alabama has through essentially a Jake Fromm every year it's not like Alabama goes through a Jake Fromm every three or four years you know, not maybe not relative to specifically the quarterback position, but in terms of importance and impact to football teams around here on a yearly basis. Alabama goes through this every year, Tim, and and still a bad year is 11 and two in a top 10 ranking. Yeah, you know, I've said that often. You know, it's easy to say what you know to make it look like what Nick Saban does is easy, but it's really hard. I mean, I think Kirby's running into that. You've got all these five stars, and it's great to have a you know all these top recruiting classes. It's fantastic, loaded talent, but the ones that don't play are going to start leaving. I think you're seeing a lot of that with uh, 
I think I looked at Georgia's number one ranked 2018 class, and they've had seven kids, I think, leave already that class, which is a lot, um, off a really good class. A lot of talented kids, five stars and four stars. We've seen Alabama run into that with an Anoma and with an Alfano. But, you know, I look at that. There, there were some asterisks there. I mean, Anoma, you know, had some issues. Alfano definitely had, you know, some personal stuff going on. So, uh, but, yeah, it's hard to walk in the, you know, walk in those shoes that Nick Saban does. It's hard you got to really have kids that buy into your program to wait mm-hmm. and be patient. If we're just talking the running back position, how many guys have sat there and patiently waited for their turn? Josh Jacobs is a prime example. Najee Harris is a prime example. Eddie Lacy. I mean, we can go on down the line of guys that that got a third, you know, were the third running back that turned it out turned out to be a first or second round pick. So yeah, it's hard to get these kids to sell to buy into you know buy into all this. And that probably had as much to do with Alabama's dominance since this day. This day in 2012, eight years ago, Tim, This on this day, Alabama shut out LSU in the BCS National Championship game down in New Orleans. And LSU at the time got hit as hard by the sort of three and out situation with the NFL draft is really any program I could recall up to that point. And it just never sort of rebounded from that combination of things, that imperfect storm of the rematch with Alabama, with the NFL draft ravaging that roster the way that it did under Les Miles. And uh, that's another example of, of how hard, how difficult it is. Even when you look at the recruiting rankings every year, that's great. But player development, as you said, player retention, you know, and, and, and can you just keep guys on your roster, especially with the transfer portal ramping up like it has in, in recent years, the grad transfer aspect of this thing now with guys making the jump, not just with one year, but two years of eligibility available to them. Uh, the dynamic continues to change, but it seems like Alabama uh, continues to be able to maintain that high, high standard going to be, is it going to be as interesting a year at Georgia next season, you think, than perhaps any other program? I know there will be a lot of attention, as there always is, on Alabama, Clemson, you know, Ohio State. But for, for Kirby and the big picture uh, of this entire thing, what how, how important is this next year, do you think, for Kirby? I mean, I think it's super important because he came out of the gate. You had a pretty successful coach over there, Mark Rick, winning nine games, getting top ten classes, and uh, – you know, so you wanted to raise that bar. You brought in a, you know, you brought in Kirby Smart, who's alumnus and, you know, played under, has his pedigree under Nick Saban, good resume and all that stuff. And he comes flying out of the gate, you know, basically straight into a national championship game that second year, lost on a second and 26. So the bar is set so high that, you know, you know, winning the SEC or finishing, you know, being in the SEC championship game is probably not going to be enough for too much longer, but Georgia had a run of luck this week. Like I haven't seen very often. It was like, I mean, the, the whole Cooper Mace dad story. Did you see that? Where the I dad did see that man? I mean, that's insane. This guy Lawsuit. was suit. Yeah. Dude, he was at a Georgia event, and I mean, it was crazy. It was the fingers shot across the room, and Sam uh, ran and picked it up. Which geez. means Sam Pittman's a hell of a lot better man than I am, because I'm yeah. like Travis. 
Yeah. Over, I, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not jumping on that loose ball. No, put it that Travis way. That's that's a fumble here. I'm not getting on top of. Travis, so, sorry. Fingers here. No, no, no. Use the <laughs> other hand, buddy. That one's got yeah. four. Use the oh, other look, one. an appetizer. Yeah, yeah. It's like I saw that in, in the movie. blanket. Yeah, I saw that in a movie where a guy chopped his fingers off and a dog ate it. So uh, that wasn't a, that wasn't. A, I can't remember if that's a Guy Ritchie movie or what, but it's pretty bad. So I mean, they had that, that happen. They had guys transfer. They had guys go in the portal. They've lost coaches. So uh, a lot going on, and we sort of knew, we sort of suspected, the national media and other people sort of suspected, because that Sugar Bowl had a funny feel to it. You had guys, you know, not showing up, and we don't know why he didn't show up. Uh, if they were suspended, you had guys sitting out. They had, you know, three offensive linemen declare for the draft, their quarterback, their, mm-hmm. their running backs. you just seen a lot of that. you just seen a lot of attrition right now, and it's a tough, you know, it's a tough battle to fight. I mean, you're in there. SEC East isn't the same SEC East that Kirby inherited. You've got Dan Mullen out there. What do you win? 10 or 11 games? You've 111 got, this year, 110 his first year. So 21 wins in his first two years at UF. Not bad. You had Jeremy Pruitt win eight this year, and that could have easily been 10 if those kids had grown, been a little more mature and a little more seasoned early on. They could have won those first two games. So they, so they won eight, could have won 10. So that East – it's going to be a little bit more competitive. So, yeah, I think there's some urgency there. And Kirby's a competitive guy. Um, his defense will be fantastic next year, barring, you know, assuming all those guys are, are back and playing. He'll have a defense. He's going to have a good defense. Now, offensive question marks, he's going to have a lot of them. Who's yeah. his quarterback, for instance? I don't think losing – He's going to have to go to the portal. He's going to have to portal up, Tim. They're, they're, I don't see how he avoids that. They, no, they have a true freshman coming in. Uh, who I don't think, yeah, I don't think he's the guy right out of the gate. And they have a junior college guy that I'm not that familiar with. Um, but I mean, they're going to, I mean, you're, you're looking at two guys basically right now competing for that job. You're right. I think he definitely has to get in that portal, try to find somebody, even see who's out there and, you know, you know, figure some things out. The Clemson backup quarterback, Bryce, uh, behind Trevor Lawrence right now. Uh, I know Chris Hummer of our network at 247sports.com. He's mentioned perhaps he's the guy uh, that ultimately ends up in Athens and perhaps even as the starter for 2020. But again, it all goes back to how difficult this is to sustain, even at a place like Georgia, which again, continues to stockpile talent. We saw it at the All-American Bowl in San Antonio, perhaps the nation's top corner there. Uh, at that game committing to Kirby and the dogs. So, look, that's not – the acquisition of players is not a problem for Kirby. But maintaining and, and administrating the, the program on a daily basis, uh, it's it's a tough trick. And it's also why you see Blue Bloods like Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, they staff up, Tim, it seems like, as much as they possibly can when it comes to support people. Because you, when you've got an 85 – scholarship roster it's not just your your 10 on the field coaches that are going to make a big difference in the day-to-day operation of your program if you've got the resources if you've got the cash to support staff this thing the way Alabama and Georgia and others are doing it you got to do it don't you oh absolutely I think there's so many guys there's guys in that back office now we've seen them over the years, come out, you know, you've seen a million, you know, you've seen Mike Loxley, you've seen Mike Grow, you've seen Jeremy sure. Pruitt, you've seen a lot of those guys, all the way down to guys like, uh, you know, uh, the Needlemeyer guy with Tennessee, who's one of Tennessee recruiter, Glenn Schumann, who has a great reputation. So, yeah, you're not yeah. only getting guys in your office, you're getting guys that understand 
you know, do two or three years with Coach Saban, learn some stuff, figure some stuff out. I'm going to end up on the field somewhere, and I'm going to know how to recruit, and I'm going to have a pretty good idea of how to run a program. Because when you're in that system and you know your role and you start figuring out everybody else's role, you're figuring out how to run a football team. So just I think look, that's, just just look at Joe Judge. Joe Judge from 2009 to 2011 was a special teams analyst at Alabama under Nick Saban. He wasn't on the field, Tim. He was one of those guys like Schumann, like Niedermeyer, the guys that you're mentioning. He was an assistant to an assistant. And today he's the head football coach of the New York Giants in the NFL. So, pretty uh, good. Pretty, pretty yeah, good. Not bad at all. Hey, uh, Tim, how about we head to that mailbag on the yeah, round table? Good, like it's a good one. Yeah, T. Watts and T.R., Mailbag. See, you know, we kind of peer our faces in there with some with some caution, you know, because uh, it's kind of like one of those uh, those uh, sacks with a with a cobra in there. Sometimes you never know what you might get when you poke your yeah, head in there. Had, but uh, last time we had somebody wanted to hit me in the testicles with a hammer, <laughs> if I remember saving eighteen correctly. But uh, we're we're gonna go ahead and go in there and oh, you know, on the uh, mailbag thread there on the BOL roundtable. Uh, he he or she wants to know how will Alabama close this recruiting class, maybe more so in terms of positional, maybe not get into the, the number of or the different names specifically, uh, and which early enrollee will make the biggest splash in the spring, Tim? What do you got there? Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Yeah, you know, I think Alabama, you know, when it comes, they're looking, obviously, McKinley Jackson. You can't avoid his name. He's going to be mm-hmm. perhaps the most sought-after defensive lineman in the country. Um, Alabama's definitely going to be involved in there. Pete Golden will be recruiting him. Um, overall, you know, if they could get, I think they're almost at a position where, I mean, obviously, tight end, Alabama fans, for Alabama not to have a great history with tight ends, like 100 years of great tight ends, Alabama fans love them some tight ends. And um, I think tight end is a position they'll look at. It's got to be the right guy. It's got to be someone that's a fit. Numbers are so tight with the 85 and and everything else. I think they'd like to add the right tight end. If he's out there, this year, Bama didn't pursue a lot of tight ends. They went after a couple of what basically were considered freaks at the time with Darnell Washington and Eric Gilbert. So, um, you know, they, they you know, they're probably looking looking at a cornerback possibly, probably looking at, um, you know, the best available at that point, which could be an offensive lineman, in fact. But wide receiver's another one I think they'll they'll, they'll, they'll key on. So, and it really depends. They're, you know, obviously they're waiting on Najee, so they're going to try to get those numbers and get them down to 85. As far as the freshman with the biggest impact, I'm going to go with uh, the, you know, Bryce is easy, low-hanging fruit. I'm going to go with Drew Sanders. Um, I just think that's a guy that's not going to be denied. I think he's a guy that's coming in, he's going to be in there getting all this extra practice under his belt, and he's just got something special about it. You know, even NFL guys I showed them about Drew Sanders, they were like, they were torn even to his best position, outside linebacker, inside linebacker, defensive end, tight end. I mean, that's what you want to hear. They always are consensus that he was going to be a really good football player, regardless of the position. So I'll go with Drew's the impact guy. Obviously, Bryce, it's going to be tough to keep that young fellow off the field as well. Yeah, I'll go with uh, Will Anderson, sticking with that edge defender spot. And I'm with you. I love Drew Sanders, too. I I just think with what the needs are going to be 
as soon as March and April at spring practice. Uh, you look at outside linebacker, and it's hard not to think one or both of those guys, along with Chris Braswell, uh, won't be heavily in the mix from the outset. Bryce Young absolutely makes a lot of sense. What about one of these two early running backs coming in? I guess you could say that, too, is sort of contingent upon what Najee Harris does. But, you know, Roydell uh, Williams coming in from Hueytown, Jace McClellan from Alito, Texas. Um, these are a couple of guys that could jump right in there, too. Yeah, and you throw Kyle Edwards in there. You got three pretty good running backs. I would think, I mean, Trey Sanders obviously is the one I'm most curious about. If he's healthy, I've been told by numerous people, you're not going to keep this guy off the field. Right. He's a difference maker. Um, he's probably going to be the, get the first attempt at that lead back if Najee leaves. I think he'll push Najee for carries, too, to some degree. Uh, he's that talented. Um, as far as the incoming freshman, I think Jace is a guy the staff's really high on. Uh, you know, that Texas prolific runner. And, you know, Roydell's probably a little bit rawer. Guy mm-hmm. probably needs to be schooled and seasoned a little bit more. But athletically, he's certainly good enough to get in the playing rotation. This year, the 8-8 game, to me, I said it about the quarterback, and now I'm saying it about running back. There are so many guys to see in this next 8-8 game. It'll be the first one I probably went to in the last four or five years. I think it's going to be a great one. Yeah, I agree. Uh, 101 Bama Mike with multiples here. Uh, a status on Nigel Knott, the former Alabama corner. At least that's what we understood it to be. Nigel Knott uh, was ruled medically uh, ineligible uh, back in September, I want to say, by head coach Nick Saban. And then recently on uh, social media outlets, Nigel announced that he had been cleared to return to football. I, I don't know what that means uh, in relation to uh, his potential to – to play at Alabama, I, I'm going to guess if Nigel Knott plays football again on the collegiate level, it'll likely be somewhere else. I don't have that yeah, information. I would, agree, I would agree with that. I yeah. think he's probably going to move on to the next place and or try. I'm glad he's cleared. You know, he's always a good kid, a good athlete. Uh, but I, I'd be surprised if it's at Alabama. Yeah, we just saw Alabama, as a matter of fact, put an offer out to a 2020 corner from Texas, right, Tim? So that tells you they're they're still working on. You know, some numbers maybe at corner for uh, even the class of 2020. LeBron Ray available for spring or will he be held out? I'll go somewhere in the middle there. Um, LeBron Ray, by the end of the season, was showing some signs towards getting closer and closer to rejoining those defensive linemen. I'm going to guess that uh, he'll be able to go in some capacity. Uh, I don't know if that'll be full contact or not, but. Um, Based on what we had seen, barring a setback, I would think that would be the case. Um, and what do you think in terms of, we won't get into all of these, but grad transfer possibility? Because you always keep a scholar or two sort of available, right, in case you want to hit that market. Yeah, I don't, you know, grad transfers, first I always like to wait and see what's out there. Um, I think it's a possibility. I mean, you could have a tight end. Tight end seems like a pretty comfortable p- position for a you know, think about the tight end positions. A lot of the best ones in the NFL came from small schools or weird situations like, you know, guys like Jimmy Graham and the Chiefs guy. I mean, those these are guys that, that sort of were, you know, you see a lot of tight ends going to a lower level and then growing into what they are and developing. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if you saw a smaller school guy who had a big, you know, big, you know, wants to be on a bigger stage, had a pretty good career to smaller school and graduated looking at Alabama. I don't know a lot of names right now, to be honest, really focus more on just how this uh, junior class would go and trying to figure out these numbers. P.E. Bama in the mailbag here on the roundtable at BamaOnline.com. 
He wants our opinion, Tim, as to who will be the third and fourth wide receivers in 2020 beyond Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. He also would like an update on Tyrell Shavers entering his fourth year in the program and perhaps uh, potentially stepping up. What do you think? Once you get beyond Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell with John Mechie and with uh, you've got Shavers in that mix and uh, Xavier Williams still around and Slade Bolden. How do you kind of see that sorting out? You know, for me, I think Mechie's the one that most people talked about. I mean, it was funny. People close to the wide receivers at Alabama, the you know, the big foursome, they talked about Mechie. So you had Ruggs and guys telling other people how good Mechie was and was going to be. I know Alabama staff loved him coming out. I would expect him. You know, I think Thayu Jones-Bell, the incoming freshman, yeah. I don't think people should sleep on them. This is a South Florida kid, a workhorse kid. He's supposed to be arriving Saturday. Uh, this is a guy that's going to be electric. He's a playmaker. He didn't have a great quarterback in high school. He played in the Under Armour All-American game. He didn't have a great high, he didn't have a great quarterback there either. So he's coming in. I think he's going to be a guy to watch. I, you know, I'm not sure on some of the other guys. You know, with Shavers. You know, I feel like to me that if Shavers had all the all the testing numbers and everything that we've been told, though he did flashed it at some point. I think he's probably more of a possession guy at this stage. I don't hear his name a lot. Um, also, in the guy Holden, that you know, the the the, the California signing. He's a big, yeah. he, we're not really talking about him, but he's a he was a anomaly for me because when I saw him this year, I believed he was bigger, I believed he was faster, and I believed he was stronger, and he was already a good recruit. So. He's a big kid. This is a big kid. I mean, he's got a lot of size on him. Obviously, you're asking a lot from true freshmen, but those true freshmen are probably going to be a little bit more open when you're considering defenses are going to focus more on Waddle and Devonta, obviously. Yeah, here's what's crazy. You think about Judy and Ruggs and Devonta coming in here three years ago, um, you know, and you had Calvin Ridley, Cam Sims, Robert Foster kind of keeping them at bay. Uh, through a good bit of that 2017 season, as we saw in the national championship game against Georgia in January of 2018, some of those guys were just too good, even at that point, to to keep off the field. I mean, Devontae Smith catches the game-winning touchdown. Henry Ruggs III had a touchdown catch in that game against Georgia in the second half as well. I'm with you. Mechie seems like the guy that would move forward into that top three with Shavers, you know, there was a time when, boy, if you had a six-five, six-six wide receiver, that was that was a luxury. Um, but with as dynamic as these guys are now, these six-foot, six-one, even sub-six-foot guys are, and the their ability to average an excess of 17, 18 yards per catch every time they touch the football, uh, it's hard not to keep feeding those guys. So, yeah, Shavers I think came to Alabama a little bit raw, uh, came to Alabama still trying to maybe get comfortable in his size as a receiver at this level. That means getting out in and out of your breaks, um, you know, route running, the sort of polish. And it's difficult. It's made more difficult when you are 6'5", 6'6". So he was kind of a work in progress. But this would certainly seem to be a time, uh, as you said, along with those true freshmen impacting things to to have a chance in that mid-rotation uh, to to make his presence felt. Uh, Tim, as we move along here uh, in the in the mailbag, uh, Gabe Lewis on the roundtable. If you were forced to never again be able to watch Netflix, Hulu, etc., while working 
or never listen to music while working, which would you pick? Would it be the the streaming services that would go, Tim, or would it be music that would go for you? Um, music. That's an easy choice for me. Music. I'm not a music guy. I only do. I only like music when I'm like, you know, working out or walking. Uh, music for me is not white noise. I sing along. I hum along. I tap along. Now you can put on any show, Netflix. You can put on any show on my TV. No matter how much I love it. No matter you can put on Seinfeld. And I'll die laughing or I'll hesitate because I know a part I love is coming in. I could do that all day. But if you put on songs I like, I'm going to get you know the wrong. You know you put Tupac on and I'm ready to fight the world. And you know you put uh, you put some slower jazz or something on i'm ready to take a nap so that i'm emotionally attached to my music and that's how my uh my uh music set up like i need energy to work out i need to go to sleep i want to calm down so for me it's definitely definitely shows i can watch it's more white noise for me uh so that's pretty easy for me yeah I, as i've gotten older man the the television because we, we work out of our homes, obviously. I used to work all the time with the television on with the volume up. And I, okay. looking back, I don't know how the heck I ever did it. Because in the last couple of years, I have not turned the television on at any point during the day. Now, I do like music. I'm a big music guy. So if it were for me and I had to choose between, say, Netflix and music as an option, I, I'd have to keep the music, man. I love See, the thing, I absolutely. The thing for me is like I've got a system like when I hit, you know, I think all us old guys do, but I get everybody off, I get the coffee, I sit oh, down, yeah. I pop the TV on and I do a random hour search of Major League Baseball, NFL football, NBA basketball and the college station. So I'm sort of keeping up with everything that's going on throughout the day. Obviously, if it's NFL season, I'm watching more NFL or more college. If it's baseball season, I'm watching a little more baseball. It's really easy, and it's white noise, you know, unless there's breaking news and, you know, something something happens. You know, you don't want to be – to me, I don't want to be locked in, working, headphones on in a Word document. Mike Leach goes to Mississippi State, and I find out 45 minutes later because I was writing an update. Exactly. Get lost. Yeah, yeah that, that can happen, and I, I, I'm so much more efficient now that I've turned off the television and I love my television now, you know, once I've got everything kind of handled throughout the day and those things, I'm Netflix. I love it. I love the documentaries on Netflix as much as anything. The one that I most recently watched here in the last day or so, the black Godfather on sort of the life and times of Clarence Avant, you know how all these things happen in Hollywood and in the music business. And you don't even think about how they come together or who put them together or how, you know, these acts become what they become. Right. It's because of people like Clarence Avant. And it's just fascinating to me to see the infrastructure that sort of goes into that stuff. And uh, also the hundreds of millions of dollars that these people make, Tim. So you just you just touched on why I can't listen to country music. Because somebody had to deal with that mess to write that song. Somebody had <laughs> you to don't have time for all that. Somebody yeah. had to come home like the scene in old school, you know, on the early flight yeah. and have some bad experiences. And some of those songs are so sad. They will like get in you pretty, you know, they'll get on you pretty good if you don't watch it. I know. But that's what I always say is like, hey, we're all loving this song. Some dudes, <laughs> some dudes still drunk yourself to death, you know, heartbroken. Well, you know, I mean, somebody's got to do it for entertainment, Tim. I don't think yeah. that's asking too much. No, you know? okay. take one for the team. That's exactly what Absolutely. it means. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I like the how and the why, not just the who. I, and I think that's another part of the aging process. 20 years ago, I could not have cared less about that type of stuff. Now, as I, you know, collect my, my AARP benefits, Tim, I'm I'm more and more fascinated by the such. Hey, uh, we'll wrap it up with this one, McTuber. It's a pretty good uh, handle He's there. He's got a great, yeah, he's got a great yeah, name. He wants to know, how has early signing day affected recruiting services like 24-7 in that is it easier or harder to evaluate and keep tabs on talent? I guess Alabama's latest offer. Um, you, know, you, you could – you, Ennis, Ennis, uh, Rakestraw Jr., the corner from, the, you know, how these guys, I guess, now can come onto the radar late like that. Yeah, you know, with Alabama, I don't think it affects Nick Saban stuff. We, you know, we've touched on it a million times in stories and on these podcasts, but Alabama's always searched until signing day for talent, mainly because they're, you know, they're already moving on to the junior class. But they're also checking out rumors, checking out, you know, everything, trying to finish that class. I don't think they ever truly stop evaluating, which makes sense. But um, so it doesn't really change it for me. It doesn't change anything. I mean, it changed my schedule a touch. The dead period's basically the same dead period. You know, it got quiet. And, you know, you still have a kid commit on Christmas. So nothing's really changed. Um, especially because of the juniors and the sophomores. And, you know, we're seeing younger and younger kids, you know, exposed and and uh, dealing with that. So from my angle, it hasn't changed anything. I still, I still got family time at Christmas. Um, what it has done is after Christmas, after January right now, instead of trying to cover 23 commitments and six uh, you know, six targets and four guys on the bubble, it's narrowed it down considerably to three or four or five because most of them have signed. So that's changed that from that perspective. But as far as being busy, I mean, they're working on the junior class. So as they say, no rest for the wicked. We're there you go. Busy. Are the weary or anybody like that. Hey, uh, Tim, I think we're good on the mailbag. Anything else you want to throw in here before we put a wrap on the latest edition of T Watts and TR here? No, I'm good. We'll see them. I mean, I'm looking for. I like doing these. I'm glad these guys are participating in them. I have fun doing them. Absolutely. It's always a good time here on the Built by Bama online podcast. Again, if you haven't already, we would certainly love for you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you obtain, consume your podcast content. We appreciate you as always. Certainly at BamaOnline.com, breaking news, great conversation available to you there on the roundtable. So with that, for Tim Watts, it's Travis Schreier. Thanking you once again for joining us here on T. Watts and TR. We'll do it again real soon. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, guys. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus.